and welcome to another episode of Goddess Hangs. <gasps> episode 35. Woo! 35? 35. Ooh, we're growing up. We're growing up. <laughs> we're in our mid-30s now. It's time Surprise. To, time to think about maybe some life insurance. <laughs> to say having a family oh <laughs> we actually did grow our goddess hangs family this week boo she's bing, sleeping bing, with boo. her head all lifted up we have a new intern helping us out <gasps> we're calling her our goddess helper our goddess helper shout out to, to miss anna lynn hi anna lynn we are obsessed with you we love you so much she is helping us and it's so great oh my gosh it's so exciting and we're so thankful so you know at 35 we finally started you know growing our family we did. our family is growing it's two women two cats my dad producing and yes. anna lynn anna lynn another woman <laughs> the team has grown <laughs> so we're very it. excited about that so shout out to anna lynn we're so grateful she's going to be helping us out a lot behind the scenes so when you see our Instagram looking even bigger and better and more posts. You have her to thank and she's going to be helping us with some other behind the scenes stuff and we're just so freaking grateful. Yay! Ooh, and ooh. and when this, speaking of magical things, because Annalyn is a magical thing, person, addition to all of our <laughs> lives. Um, when this episode airs, we're going to be in Vegas. We will be in Vegas when this airs. We're about to leave in a few days we're, as we're recording this. Yeah, we leave on Sunday and we're driving in and we are working again we mentioned last week at the magic mm -hmm. fashion expo for two days in las vegas so make sure if you're listening to this episode like right away when it comes out make sure you're following us because we'll be posting a lot on our instagram stories mm -hmm. um probably on all of ours so at goddess hangs at i am sadie olson at juliet.piper and make sure you're following with our Vegas adventure. Boo is killing me right now. She's so cute. <laughs> At Boobies McGee Olsen. <laughs> Gotta no, start her Instagram. have a page yet. <laughs> it's going to get flagged for inappropriate. Like, no, it's just a cat. There's no actual boobies. <laughs> um, okay, so we have, like, the most amazing... I know we say this every time we have a guest, but we have the most amazing guest this week. Yeah. Uh, she is a witch. She is the high priestess of Hades. She's just a magical being, and she taught us so much about the divine masculine, about what working with uh, Hades as a deity is like. Um, we talk about death and the underworld. It's just like the whole time me and Juliet are just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. The I had so many questions. I know. We could have talked to her for like three hours, but we had to cut it off at an hour <laughs> for our producer. So without further ado, uh, Ms. Angelica Krejci. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> Welcome to Goddess Hang. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm pumped to be here. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So you are our first which that we get to talk to like working specifically with a deity we haven't talked really at all on the pod about working with someone specific like obviously like witchcraft has been weaved in here and there so i'm super excited to kind of just ask you like what's your origin story how did you get here tell us a little bit about your journey yeah absolutely yeah so my journey with with paganism and with like specifically working with the deity i work with hades um who's the lord of the mm -hmm. underworld of the greek pantheon and it started really young like i wasn't pagan i hadn't found paganism um until i was in my teens but i 
always like my connection with Hades was started straight from the beginning. I would have like he was my imaginary friend when I was a child and I would have these oh my gosh. yeah I would what? I would like see this shadowy figure like in my bedroom when I was like really really little and I just always knew he was there to protect me I which is interesting because he this figure always had like a helmet on and okay. this plays into Hades's myth because Hades like in the Titan war when he was defeating you know Kronos and all the other mm -hmm. Titans that were warring against him he had um this helmet made for him that made him invisible to to all gods and humans basically and it was so weird okay. that I would see this like helmeted shadowy figure in my room because I think he was trying to like remain invisible and like watch over me because mm. the helmet makes him invisible but right I was able to perceive it because I was like probably so such a little kid so you saw this before knowing anything about Hades yes and then later you were like oh that man with a helmet in my home. <laughs> yes. Was in fact, Hades. what an interesting of all of the imaginary friends you could have. <laughs> Hades, Lord of the Underworld. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm a hang around this girl. So did you did you share about your imaginary friend with your with your family or and friends? Like, did they know about this strange helmeted figure in your life? <laughs> yeah. So my mom <laughs> definitely knew, and I haven't asked her, like, if she remembers this. I should probably call her up and be like, hey, mom, do you remember, like, yeah. this imaginary friend? But I do remember telling her about it, and, um, yeah, so, so funny. I don't think anyone else really knew. I think I would just tell her, but yeah. I would reveal it in moments like, I remember watching The Corpse Bride when I was like a really little kid. Like, I think it came out in like, what, like 2004 or whatever. And I think I was like six mm -hmm. or seven at that point. And um, I was watching The Corpse Bride and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I resonate with this movie. Like I resonate with the underworld being like, you know, colorful. And I just remember yeah. like sobbing, like in the theater, like, cause my sister is a little bit older than me. So I tagged along mm -hmm. with her and my parents and I was like sobbing in the movie theater. And my mom was like, what happened? Or is the movie scaring you? And I'm like, no, I, this is me. Like I am the corpse rider or like someone that is from the underworld. Like, and I was like six oh or seven. Gosh. And so they knew like kind of that I had this strange connection to the underworld. And then yeah. they would start to read me like maybe when I was, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, they would start to read mm -hmm. me the Greek myths. Um, and it's funny because I was always f afraid of water for some reason. I'm like a huge Capricorn, like earth-based person. Mm. And so I just always hated water and I would hate like taking a shower to hate bathing. I don't know what it was. I was just like, I don't want anywhere near the water. And the only yeah. way that they could get me to like take a shower or like go anywhere near water <laughs> was to um, read me like Greek myths while I was in there or like play like an audio tape of like Greek myths. And so wow. that's kind of, I remember like being in the bath, like when I was a kid and hearing about the myths and just being like, yeah, this is just me. Like I, I resonate with this so hardcore. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So do you think you or I mean, do you know, did you live a past life like uh, within the time frames where these Greek myths were being formed or like, how do you think that connection was based? Obviously, Hades is like a protector, a deep connection for you. You're now a high priestess of Hades, which I can't wait to dig into. But mm -hmm. like, how do you think this came to be? Do you do you know or do you have a, like a 
intuitive thought about it? Yeah, you know, I've never been asked if I thought it was a past life and I've never really considered it to this point, which is mm -hmm. so interesting. Like, why haven't I considered that I might have had a past <laughs> life in ancient Greece? It's so funny because I feel like for me, when I channel past lives for my clients or when I, um, you know, do past life regression for me, I feel mm -hmm. like it's pretty difficult to go too far back. Um, I feel mm -hmm. like the way at least that I understand reincarnation, it's like we have, you know, maybe clusters of lives, like, you know, th maybe mm -hmm. three lives here, three lives there. And then they're spaced with, you know, eons of, of time. And so it, mm -hmm. it totally could be that I had, you know, past lives in ancient Greece. Hades wasn't really venerated um, very much in, in ancient times because he was very feared. Even then they, mm -hmm. they believed that like if they spoke his name, um, like if they said Hades, he would, he would kind of show up and like whisk them away to the underworld. Um, mm -hmm. And so they ended up calling him like Thonic Zeus um, instead of Hades and Thonic means like underworld. And so okay. it's just so interesting that they would just call him like Zeus of, of the underground because they were a little bit too afraid. So there weren't like a yeah. ton of priests or a ton of people that really worked with Hades back then. But yeah, I think that'd be so cool. I, I love that. I just like have so many questions about this. I'm like, <laughs> I know, I do too. Can I ask something so random? Yeah. So as you're talking, I got this extremely strong vision of a golden like wheel that spins and turns and there's like Greek writing on it. Ooh. Is that something in mythology like the the something the wheel that I like I felt like I was spinning and maybe this is out there but if it if it comes to you let me know. it's like it's a big I feel thing. like my oh. book about I have and it goes in a circle. It's spinning. <laughs> I have a so I have a big book of mythology, and it has like Greek, Roman, and some other. It starts with a B, and I feel like there's like that image on the front. There's I'll show you with later. The big gold wow. We'll put a picture of it here if it matches. Yeah. yeah, or if your book if your book looks like that, yeah. let me know. Wow. Okay, but so. Oh my gosh, you're the high priestess of Hades. Okay, yes. Yeah, so let's let's go back. So. Ye, when did you figure out that your imaginary friend who you've been hanging out with for since ever since you can remember kind of how did you how did it come to be that you were like oh this is Hades and you know start working and kind of I guess forming your your pagan practice is yeah. that how you'd say yeah it? absolutely <laughs> yeah so when I was um maybe like 13 or 14 maybe a little bit younger even I mm -hmm. was kind of exposed to paganism, I guess you could say. I would watch like YouTube videos about it and I was just super interested. I would read all my sister's like hand-me-down like teen witch books, um, like her like Silver Raven Wolf like kind of literature. Mm. And uh, and we lived really close to Salem. We lived like literally 10, 20 minutes away from Salem. That's where I grew up in Massachusetts. And so we would always go there. My dad's like a local historian. So he would go for like the marine life, you know, interest, mm. the historical interest, that kind of thing. And so I'd always get kind of dragged to these events. And um, I, I'd always been like, can we go to the, can we go to like the tarot store, the witch store yeah. like after this? And he was always like, I guess. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of how I, I found paganism like, okay, this is a thing people do. People work with the Greek mm -hmm. gods or, you know, not necessarily Greek gods. People work with all sorts of pantheons, Norse, Egyptian, mm -hmm. really, really, it goes on and on. Um, and yeah, I think personified deity work was like one of the first things I heard about when I was learning about witchcraft and learning about paganism. And I was like, ooh, 
yeah, like I want to work on that right away. Like before we do anything, before we cast spells, I was like, Mm -hmm. I need to just talk to like the gods. Like I just felt such a connection to it. And I didn't make that connection right away that like Hades was my imaginary friend. Hades had been following me around. But whenever I Mm -hmm. heard um, people saying like, oh, just go with the myths you you love the most and kind of start there and, and interview the gods and see if maybe there's a connection there. I immediately was like, okay, I love Hades and Persephone myth. I love all the myths of the underworld. So I have to Mm -hmm. start interviewing there. And I ended up talking to a couple other gods. I talked to Odin. I talked to Loki. It was so funny that the Norse pantheon was coming in for me too, when I was interviewing (laughs) like the gods, I guess you could say. Um, And they were like, Odin didn't really care for me, which was fine. Loki was trying (laughs) to convince me that like, I was perfect for him. He's like, I'm just like Hades. Like, and you know, this is like, he's not really just like Hades, but Loki's a trickster God. So he, he'll tell you anything you want to hear. Yeah. He'll tell you anything you want to hear. And I just remember sitting in a meditation where I was trying to connect with Hades. And this was like before I learned about like casting circles and stuff like that. And Loki was in there and all these like entities were showing up and I was like, okay, we got to close this out and, and reconnect. And so then I, you know, centered. And I think this was maybe when I was like 15 or 16, I, I finally contacted Hades, like just him. And it was this overwhelming initial connection. Like I physically felt like items in my mo- my room moving around me. I was like feeling wow. like, like a wind vortex almost. I could see like, I had like a vision in my mind's eye of like a mine being like in like a mine shaft and kind of going into the underworld. It was pretty, mm. pretty scary. I have to say just being so young and like being very yeah. inexperienced witch and having that sort of a spiritual experience but um that was kind of the moment where I was like okay I have to stop interviewing everyone else stop talking to everyone else and just focus my energy on Hades and I really haven't stopped my energy is still on Hades for the most part so how does one begin communicating with Hades with a deity through meditation like what does that process look like for you yeah so I would definitely start out <laughs> with casting a circle or doing some mm. sort of, you know, barrier protection method. Um, some people like to throw salt on their thresholds or, you know, have have a method of protection um, because mm-hmm. what happened to me the first time with Loki and all these other entities coming in was just because I was like totally open. Um, and so that's definitely the first step. And then, you know, I would say just set the intention that you are going to to meet with this deity. And it might not happen at first. It might take quite a few meditations to really bridge the connection. It tends to be like masculine deities like Hades and, you know, Zeus and like other deities like that are a little bit less mm-hmm. shy. They they tend to, I feel like masculine in general energy just tends to come in hotter and sooner for people that I work with. Um, and so mm-hmm. sometimes the goddess connection I feel like can take a while, can be a little bit more subtle, whereas the masculine just like pops right into the meditation, just this feeling of presence just kind of consumes you and you're like, mm-hmm. yes, he's this is here. Um, and I would also, another tip I would say is to call the deity by like their truest name or list off a couple of names because sometimes like trickster entities will pretend that they're like, yeah, I'll be Lord Hades for you or whatever. And if you're not Mm. specific enough. So what I like to say in all of my, um, when I, whenever I like invoke Hades or or anything like that for my ritual group, I always say like the truest Lord Hades, the Lord Hades, that is my 
patron that is my father like all that kind of stuff and it really weeds mm-hmm. out the other entities that might be coming in um so yeah that kind of thing so protection be specific it's kind of typical for any anything within you know the spiritual mm-hmm. practice i feel yeah my my understanding which is small um has always been that like hades was a really bad guy mm-hmm. And Hades. I was just thinking of like the cartoon Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just you don't usually hear rave reviews about Hades. So, but I noticed on your beautiful Instagram, you talk a lot about like lessons that Hades can t- Hades can teach us, and like mm-hmm. you know all sorts of of other perspectives and and things about that. And so, that's something I would love to learn from you because. Like, I know nothing yeah. <laughs> other than that he was, like, the bad guy in the in Disney Hercules. movie and then the story about, like, Persephone. Mm-hmm. And and that's really, like, my understanding. But I love that you have these other viewpoints. Yeah. So, like, what, what has Hades taught you? What can Hades teach us? For sure, yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the Hades and Persephone myth um, because it's – it's a real polarizing thing. And I always like to talk about it. I have like a Hades ritual group um, for devotees of Hades and people that are like curious about it. And most of them are like already kind of like him and already go into it, you know, with the intention of, of really enjoying his energy. But I do like to bring up um, the myth with them and kind of talk about it because I've met people online and in person that really dislike Hades and hate the myth and think he's you know kind of like yeah like a bad guy like you know that he hurt persephone and and i totally like i want to draw attention to it because i don't agree with the interpretation that he did nothing wrong and i don't really agree with the interpretation that he did everything wrong i i like to keep Mm. a very like nuanced view of the myth and be like yes he was totally in the wrong demeter was totally in the wrong uh and persephone was kind of the the victim of both in a way and had her own um story of transformation from these two people that were basically like controlling her and and the story i'll i'll like go through it briefly yeah i was gonna say yeah. a quick summary for quick everyone summary. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um basically the story is that persephone is the goddess of spring she was a um child of demeter and zeus and she wasn't really like you know kept with the rest of the gods she's not an olympian she's kind of like the daughter of the two olympian gods and mm. so she's a she's kind of a lesser goddess not very important um before she married Hades. And yeah, she was just the goddess of flowers in springtime and and Demeter kept a really close watch over her. And her name before she met Hades was actually Kore. And that's like her maiden form is, is her as Kore. And that's what her mother called her. And then when she met Hades, you know, she transformed and she became Persephone. And that's actually when she took on her name, like the title Persephone and the queen of the underworld. Um, and so basically what happened was, is Demeter kept her away from all the other gods. And one day Hades had caught in a glimpse of her in a field. You know, he was had his helm of, helm of invisibility on and he was just kind of surveying the earth because he is the god of of like precious metals and um, fertility mm-hmm. to some extent as far as like the earth and crops and that kind of thing. Like he has his role in that um, just as Demeter mm-hmm. has her role in, in harvesting and fertility and that kind of thing. 
And so he was surveying the land and he saw Persephone picking flowers and he was like, I have to marry her. And so he went to Zeus, his brother, and was like, hey, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And he was like, yeah, sure, cool, whatever. But Demeter's not going to have it. So you might want to you might want to kind of do it without Demeter knowing. And so this is when. So Persephone, yeah. Persephone was Hades niece. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I will, we'll overlook that. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, all, of the, all of the pantheons really like, I can't think of one pantheon where there's not like weird ancestral relationships, but the gods are, the gods are like, you know, marred from that. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sorry to throw you off. Okay, go on, go on. Um, Yeah, and so anyway, so that's when Hades was like, okay, I have to take her without Demeter knowing because she's never going to let me have her. And so Mm. I'm going to sweep her up. And so he comes out of the underworld one day with his horse-drawn carriage and just kind of plops her out of the field and throws her in and, and takes her to the underworld. And this is where it gets kind of, you know, like, okay, Hades absolutely kind of shouldn't have done that. But then at the same time, Demeter shouldn't have let Persephone never see any of the other gods, never marry, never, you know, become, be just like maiden forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where Persephone gets to have her own story of like, she takes on a brand new name. She takes on a new job. And eventually what happens is she ends up eating food in the underworld because she's in there for quite a long time um, before Demeter and Zeus, like, and Hades all have a council and decide that, you know, they're going to kind of decide her fate. You know, she's in the underworld for probably months before they realized this. And so she ended up eating food of the underworld. She ate pomegranates um, or pomegranate seeds. And Zeus was like, wait a second. When they were having the council, he's like, wait a second. Persephone ate food of the underworld, which makes her now part of the underworld. So she can't Mm. be with Demeter. You know, she can't return to Demeter. She has to stay partially with Hades, partially with Demeter. And that's why we have seasons because she's like the goddess of of spring and flowers and lushness. And so when she goes to the underworld in October, that's Samhain. And then when she comes out, you know, in in the springtime, that's Mm -hmm. when we have spring in in the four seasons. So that's like the the reason the myth, um, you know, is kind of cast is to explain Mm -hmm. the seasons for the ancients. Oh my God. I love that. I didn't know that. (laughs) No, I love that. So then like going a little deeper, like what, what is Hades? What did I ask before? What is, uh, what are some of like the lessons that you've like learned with Hades? What is working with him? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. So he rules over quite a bit being the god of the underworld he has like a lot of different domains so obviously death you know dead Mm -hmm. people coming to him he he's not necessarily the god of death that's phantanos but he's um Mm -hmm. he's he's called the all receiver so he basically receives all of the souls in the underworld they cross the river six they come into his realm and he basically assesses their life along with um, other judges of the underworld, other gods and and people that judge the life of, of mortals and kind of see where they're going to go. And he places them into certain realms of the underworld, um, depending on how they lived. And so he ends up being the god of fate in a way, um, because he sees every single day people coming to the underworld, having to be judged, having to be either put in the highest level, which is like heaven or the lower levels, which are like, you know, the pits of Tartarus. It's like they're the kind of hellscape. Um, and so he knows a lot about what makes a really good mortal life. He's seen thousands and millions and billions of people live a life. Mm -hmm. And so 
what how he shows up for me mostly is he's very I guess obsessed is a good word for him to describe the way he comes in. He's very obsessed with me living the life that I want to live, the life that my soul like desires to do and Mm. also like fulfilling my fate. And so he's given me a very like, very good set of things to accomplish in this lifetime. Like, you know, maybe three or four things that he absolutely has to have me do. And then the rest of that, he's like, follow your desire, live life to the fullest, because I don't want to see you upset when you come to the underworld. I don't want to have to put you in a place that you don't want to be put. Mm. And so it's just, I, he's like the God of like, you know, he's the God of the dead in a way, but he's kind of the God of the living Mm -hmm. and the way that he wants us to have the best life possible. So we can also live a good life when we're in the underworld. It kind of just karmically works out that way. That's I, so cool. I saw something about you had written that he's helpful with boundaries. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, tell us about that. Absolutely. Yeah. This goes back into the the myth um, with him and Persephone and Demeter because he essentially gave Persephone this opportunity to finally like set boundaries with her mom. And I think that mm. um, sometimes when we have like a traumatic experience or we have, we have to set boundaries with someone that's toxic. And for her, for uh, Persephone, Demeter was a fairly toxic figure in her life, you know, mm. like this kind of narcissistic, um, like overbearing figure. And basically Hades gave her the opportunity to finally set the boundary he took her to the underworld and was like okay i'm forcing you to finally Mm. talk to your mom about the things that you need to discuss with her Mm. and that's what hades does in in people's lives if you if you let him in and ask him for assistance with boundaries he's really great at it but kind of like the death card in the tarot you know it always ends up being really sudden it always comes in maybe in a way that you don't want it to i feel like uh he is he's a great exemplification of the death card because it's yeah it's like that quick transformational energy that you can't really Mm -hmm. control and so when you like let him in your life and ask him hey i need help with boundaries or i need help with understanding my fate sometimes it kind of comes in in these quick uh dirty ways um and that's exactly essentially how he took persephone to the underworld and and that's the criticism of his myth is like you know how he was not very gentle and how he just kind of whisked her away and i think that we can we can learn from that and we can take these experiences that we have that are maybe traumatic or maybe um you know, not as gentle as we want them to be or relationships with people in our lives that are maybe not as gentle as we want them to be and transform them into a situation that we can have control over and that we can have have decisions over. And so that's one of the main things I feel like he assists with. That's real life. Like when you want something to change, it's not going to happen in a slow, pretty way. Most of the time you've got to just pull the plug or flip the switch or whatever. I also love, you know, I don't know. I personally just see so much about the divine feminine, tapping into the divine feminine, 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 feminine. Mm -hmm. And you talk a lot about the divine masculine. So I want to hear more about how you are teaching women to work with the divine masculine, what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that the divine masculine is so underrated. It's Mm. such a powerful energy and it's really easy to, to access. I feel like working with the goddess and feminine energy is a lot 
it's a lot more difficult. I don't know. I feel like I'd mm. rather just, I mean, you have to have both, but right. you'd ra- I'd rather just tap into that masculine energy, that energy of vitality and structure and, um, like, you know, projecting yourself into out into the world. And that just like radical immediacy of like doing something and, and having, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just being very action driven. I just love that energetic. And that's exactly what the divine masculine is. Um, and like every time you do a candle spell, you know, I, the candles is like fairly phallic symbol. And I feel like fire mm-hmm. really makes sense to me as um, a correspondence for the divine masculine. So every time you do a candle spell, like you're, you're accessing the divine masculine energy, mm. even if you're calling in goddesses or you're kind of doing it from this, from this space of, of feminine energy. And so we're just taking it a step further, you know, in my clients, my world, we're taking it a step further and we're, we're accessing the divine masculine all the time on a daily basis, really building that connection with him so that we can have more transformation in our life. Cause it's a very quick transformational mm-hmm. energy, just like handle magic is. So we're taking that and we're, yeah, we're just blowing it up, you know, turning up the dial on it and, um, changing our lives quickly, quantum leaping, that kind of energy is really associated with the divine masculine. Yeah, it's it's so important to have the balance, mm-hmm. but I just think there's so much focus about learning about how to be more in your feminine, which it's really important because I I mean our society is very like mm-hmm. generally masculine driven, like go go go. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we talk about the divine feminine, and then it's like the masculine, and not embracing like, but what does the divine masculine look like? Like, what does it look like when it's approached in like a a yummy, juicy way versus the like exhausting way? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Masculinity is, is, or divine, divine masculine. I love that because I will say dipping my toes in this world, I think I am more divinely masculine in the Mm -hmm. way I do things. Yeah. And it's always been like, no, you only, it's like, it's. I think we are about, I'm a little more divine feminine and you're a little more divine masculine. Because I'll like get this idea and I'm like, Juliet, what if we did this? And she's like, done, I did it. Sadie's like, here's the idea. I will receive it now. Yeah. And look at the ocean. Yes. And I'm like. So I love hearing it in that. um, And there, you know what? There's both there's divine aspects of masculinity and femininity and there's not so divine so it's this is refreshing to hear you mentioned you work with your clients with like the divine masculine and, and hades can you give us like a sneak peek into like what it looks like to would you call yourself a coach or how like or just the high priestess or how does that work and like what is it like to work with you yeah for sure so i do read tarot that's kind of my main modality for all this Mm. um yeah so right now i yeah tarot i would say drives my session so i would i would call myself a tarot consultant if i had to kind of like give my my title at the bank or or something like that (laughs) um so yeah i'm tarot reader tarot consultant and i use the tarot and astrology essentially to to understand both uh kind of whatever the client needs usually it's like fate and what their fated career is what their soul purpose is what their soul really desires looking at that both in the birth chart and in tarot and and then just talking you know i think coaching would apply to me too and apply to my sessions as well because then i you know talk to them and i'm like what do you want like what 
does your soul desire? I like when you were like that juicy divine masculine energy, because truly the divine masculine wants you to have all of your desires and wants your mm. needs to be really met in this way that you're seen in the world. You're, you're fearless. You're out there. You're using your vitality and your energy to kind of magnetize people to you. Um, and so we talk about all that in sessions. Um, and then I also do programs, you know, I have a Hades ritual group, which is amazing. And the people in there are so great. They're just transforming all the time. It's a pretty, it's like a group coaching container essentially. So we work with Hades mm. every month. We do rituals to Hades. And then every week we're coaching in um, our group discord and it's so transformative. And I've watched like my, my clients in this particular container expand so much i have a i have a um another witch who is actually very feminine energy in the group and she joined the group because she's like i need more masculine in my life and she ended up quitting her day job and just completely going all into her witchcraft business and was just so inspired by the, the group coaching container um that allowed her to do that and she had like her biggest launch ever and it was just incredible to watch her do that so yeah i oh love that just big That's... transformative energy yeah, that's my favorite thing ever when I can get someone to quit their job. <laughs> like my goal with every client is like, how can we get you to quit your job and do your own thing? <laughs> um, when did I, oh, so I, I, I love that too. I love that too. It's like, I'm sorry. If, well, it's not my fault, but it is my fault. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so so how can how can we the listeners Sadie myself I notice you wear red a lot <laughs> um and I imagine that's one way that you tap into Hades energy mm -hmm. are there other like little things we can do to sort of call him to us or like get that divine masculine yeah. in our lives more maybe lighting more fiery Absolutely. pointy candles <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so I love, yeah, I love red. I have um, my ascendant sign, like basically my ascendant. Um, it's mm -hmm. at the fifth degree, like in my chart. And that's like the Leo degree. And mm. that's why I feel like I wear so much red and I have like this like kind of mane of hair um, because it's like that Leo energy. So even though I'm like super Saturnian, very Capricorn, my, I have a Capricorn sun rising um, and total first house Capricorn energy. I think the Leo mm. is coming out in that degree. And I think it is a really great way to channel masculine energy for sure. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I love using the personal style, the, the glamour to get mm -hmm. that across. I think that's a great way to do it every day. Um, I really like having like a workout practice that um, energizes me on a daily basis. I used to do like competitive boxing and I don't anymore because mm -hmm. I like got a concussion and I can't, like I need my oh, mind, no. I need my, my brain to work um, properly. But yeah, I used to fight people like all the time wow. <laughs> and that was a really awesome way for me to, to channel that at the time it was I I was like you know I was younger I was like 19 20 21 when I was doing competitive boxing and it was a little um a little shadowy I guess you could say at the time I wasn't really mm. doing it for the right reasons I was really like overexerting myself <laughs> and loved to get all my aggression out punching people it was like so fun but <laughs> I am gonna start boxing again soon because I'm like you know what I need 
that energy back in my life. I need a little bit more of that. And I think it's going to be really healing for me to go back into it. I'm 24 now. And so I took, you know, I I haven't boxed for like three years um, after Mm -hmm. I stopped competitively after my concussion. And so I'm really excited to to do that again. Um, Really just any daily practice that gets you out of your comfort zone. I recently started like going on Bumble BFF and just like meeting random people. Um, And that's been so fun. That's been a really good like masculine energy thing of just going out and meeting people and having a good time and getting myself out of my comfort zone. So anything daily or weekly that just gets you a little bit out of the shell, I think can be helpful. I love that. We, me and Sadie, we're talking about like, um, like edges, like we all have sort of our edges mm. of, um, of where like we go to in certain situations in anything and everything in life. And I love, so, so that Hades energy is, is cu- like bumping up against an edge mm-hmm. of where you feel comfortable and then just pushing it a little bit Ooh. and then assessing how you feel maybe. Yeah, no, <laughs> and then deciding if you want to keep going. I love that. Um, and Hades like, you know, he is a fairly reclusive guy. He doesn't really come up out of the underworld very often. He just kind of very much stays in his lane, has his job to do. Um, I feel like he's very Capricornian in that way that he just Mm. kind of, he has his work and he's not really interested in anything but his work and in what he's here to do. Um, And so the masculine energy that, yeah, that we're tapping into here, I think is a little bit more like, solar a little bit more maybe like apollo or aries or um Mm. zeus energy and i think you know when we're talking about just the divine masculine in general that's what i think of i think of like all of them together but they all have different archetypes and i like to kind of think of it as like the different points of the body like i feel like i see hades very much as like the root energy he's the stable one that keeps the whole pantheon going you know they wouldn't exist without him there there wouldn't be a place for the mortals to go when they die and he just really keeps the whole train running and he's kind of always you know phonic in the underworld and then as you kind of rise through the body there's different points like i feel like the solar plexus area is very much like that aries mars energy of that i'm channeling when i'm boxing and i think it's really when you're cultivating a divine masculine practice it's good to kind of have those different um types of energy that you're working with and it can be helpful even to look at those points in your birth chart like where's your mars in your birth chart where's pluto um where's jupiter these are all divine masculine archetypes that you can Mm -hmm. really like look at your chart and go like okay so my jupiter's in you know my jupiter's in it's his natural house in the ninth house um which means you know maybe i should do some more spiritual expansion and and channel the Mm. masculine through me taking risks and my spirituality and expanding that so there are different tricks you can do to see you know where you should channel yours i like this sort of like integration that you do and i was we were wondering like do you mix the tarot with the greek mythology and yeah like do you do anything like that yeah oh my gosh that's that's like perfect because that's awesome yeah i've been doing that a ton just in my client work and my personal practice and i noticed that there really wasn't a lot of information about that and i Mm. i just like especially when i started my business i started my tarot business in college and i was Mm. i went to college for philosophy and english and so i was doing a lot of like translating maybe not translating myths but i was doing a lot of like analyzing that's probably the better word myths and Mm. reading um the translations and i was also reading tarot on like the weekends in salem and in the boston area 
And I noticed then that there was this huge connection. I was like working on a paper on the Iliad and I was like, why, why isn't there more of this integrated into tarot? Yeah. And so since then I've been um, creating my own system of like interpreting tarot through the Greek myths. And I'm actually running a course on that. Um, I'm going to start launching it really soon. It's probably already out by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, and yeah, it's called Asphodel Academy, Asphodel Tarot Academy. And you Ooh. get to learn all about tarot through the Greek myths. We're going through everything. We're starting um, with the world card, which is mm. is Gaia. Um, you know, she's the, the goddess of earth and she's the world. And it's interesting because she's the last major arcana card. Um, and we're starting with her and we're working backwards through the major arcana ending with the fool who is Dionysus. Um, he's the mm. youngest of the Olympians and he has this whole story of, he's got a lot of mythology around him. Dionysus is kind of an important character, but it's interesting that he's the last one. He's the, the almost like the child of, of the Greeks, of the Greek mm -hmm. um, Olympians. And then we're going through the, the minor arcana as well. And so it's gonna be like, like a four month experience of both learning the Greek myths and learning tarot. I know someone who wants to sign up. <laughs> like that sounds really cool. You know, I I used to read the Greek myths. Like it's been so long, but I this, and obviously I like tarot. I do tarot too, but um that sounds so cool and interesting. Yeah, I love that. Maybe you just recruited me. Who knows? We'll <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, I think so. Every every I have so many. I need to like slow my roll because I keep signing up for all of the witch and famous. <laughs> everyone's things they put out and I'm like I've been participating in too many different courses because everyone's so amazing and has such amazing stuff and I'm like I need to be a part of it all yes I know <laughs> every a lot of the guests that come on the next day Sadie will be like I I, I got the course I know I'm like our You're last so guest Destiny about her master class <laughs> everyone amazing. that's so funny you know what we have amazing guests yeah. I know and we just like we get you hook us and then we want to we want more yeah that's awesome I love that. I know I'm the same way. I'm always, I, the only things I buy like as a Capricorn is I invest in my business and I like mm. thrift shop. Those are like the two, my two mm. favorite things to, to buy. It's like a bargain <laughs> and large business investments. <laughs> I love it. So you live in Salem. I have a funny anecdote yeah. to tell you about Salem, Massachusetts. My boyfriend, uh, Craig Conant, his ancestor, Roger Conant, is like the founder of Salem, and there's a statue of him there. What? Um, in the, I don't know if it's the town square or whatever. Uh, it's. Should we insert a photo? We'll insert it here. Oh my God. Because um, I, I, oh, he tells me this a few weeks ago. We've been dating for two years, and I'm like, you're dating a witch, and you didn't think <laughs> to tell me this um but yeah sure enough there's a statue there and i guess you get oh here's my cat boo baby boo. um come here um but he's wearing this big hat and so people mistake the statue for a witch but it's just his hat he's oh not gosh. he's not a witch i need to go find <laughs> this and like take a selfie with it that's amazing yes. you know what's yes. so funny roger conant <laughs> i love craig conant like i found out like really? recently that you guys were dating and i was like i'm i've been obsessed with craig's like comedy for a very long time like obsessed oh my god that's so funny like one of my I, it's so weird yeah. <laughs> he's he's a weird guy yeah. 
Yeah, I think I like, heard him Hi, on like bro. Chatty Broads or something. And oh yeah, and like yeah. years he's ago, been on yeah, there a few times. He, yeah, yeah, he comes on, and I'm just like, I'm obsessed with this. I just think he's so funny. I love his Trader Joe's stories. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, his his family started wow. Salem. I looked up. Um, we couldn't find anyone that participated in the Salem witch trial. I was going to say, so I wonder. I was like, did your ancestors murder the witches? And he was like, no, no, no. We like, tried to look it up and we didn't find anything. So <laughs> wow. he, Hi, He's like dating you in this lifetime to like clear yeah, the, the karma. Right. lineage. Yeah. There's a really great. Like, it's so I'm sorry. Uh, there's a really great movie that it's called I Married a Witch and it's from like 1942. I think it's like an older movie. And that's the whole premise is like, this witch, she's this witch from the Salem witch trials and she reincarnates and she ends up um, marrying like the politician that has in Salem that has like connections to the Salem witch trials. And it's such a funny, it's like a, you know, rom-com from the forties, but it's such a good movie, like genuinely. I think maybe I've seen that. Yeah. It's really cute, right? Yeah, so cute. I think I've seen that one. We have to watch it again. That's so funny, yeah. Oh and I was like, we have a, I think, because I said, I'm so excited we have a, a Salem witch that's coming on God of Sayings. He's like, oh yeah, my, my ancestor founded Salem. I was like, what? <laughs> now you bring this up? Oh my goodness. We, we usually, towards like the end of the um, hour, mm. we, we ask about like um, your paranormal experiences, strange experiences. I mean, we, we, we already know that you have gone to the underworld have gone with... to the underworld and, <laughs> and grew up with Hades as your friend as a child. But how, how do we usually phrase this question? Have you seen a ghost? Have you seen a UFO? Like, yeah, tell us, us about yeah. spooky story. All the weird stuff you've seen. Oh man, Go. there's so many. I can't even. I love. I love this question though. You know what's so funny is recently <laughs> I realized that I've had so many paranormal experiences, but I just think they're so normal that I don't even love think that. of them. I'm just like, like I was. I met someone new on Bubble BFF recently, and I was like, they were like, "Have you had ghost experiences?" And I was like yeah like about a billion of them but i just think that they're so normal because i'm just like whatever like it's such a normal time like literally the other night i was running like a master class and i my wi-fi was cutting out and i have like you know a friend that is kind of like my mod basically and she was like angelica like there was a spirit like behind you and he looks like bram's like stoker dracula vibes and she's like you know she's a medium but she's also kind of like helps me with stuff and yeah I was like, what? There's like Bram Stoker Dracula in my house. And she was like, absolutely. And I usually like, I have like clear cognizance. I can kind of, you know, get like images in my mind's eye and um, downloads, but I can't usually see ghosts. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. So I'm trying to perceive this person and I'm trying to get him out of my house. And he was super flirty. I just kept getting these like Uh downloads of like, I just think you're so interesting. I just want to like stay here with you. That's why I was watching your (laughs) masterclass because I was talking about like witchcraft. And he was like, I just, you know, he was like from like the 17, 1800s. I live right next to a graveyard in Salem actually. So Mm. he's like, so do ghosts just wander in and out as they please? (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, I just don't want to leave. Like you're so interesting. And I'm like, like, yeah no like you gotta go and so gotta i took, took like quite a quite a while to to finally get him on his way and uh and i've had wow. quite a few stories like that but recently i had my first like alien thing happen 
Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm not an alien person at all. And I've always just been like, whatever, it's the gods, it's the spirits, like aliens. Like I'm Mm. not interested in aliens. And I was working, I signed up for like a program with, um, my friend Serena, the lustful witch, um, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she, it's kind of this like sex magic activation portal. And she's really like Kundalini awoken. Um, she has like just that really like big Kundalini presence. And Mm -hmm. when I signed up for the program, like the same day I had this, this vision in my meditation, I just, you know, I meditate all the time. And I had this vision of this alien planet and I got a name. I like knew what the planet was called. And I was just like, what? And I had like such a clear vision of like my life in this planet. And wow. it was so strange. And then I looked up the, the name, like I typed into Google afterwards and it uh-huh. was an actual planet that exploded and became the asteroid belt. Like the planet was real and it exploded. What was it's it called? called Maldek. Oh my god! I've heard of that before. Oh yeah, my god! I know. And so you saw your alien past life. Yes, I did. And it's so crazy because there's so much like starseed information out there, but it's all like mm-hmm. for planets that are still planets, like you know Andromeda mm. and Sirius and and all of those planets. You, you, there's a lot of starseed mm-hmm. information about them, but there I couldn't find a ton on Maldek. Eventually, I did. Um, and I was reading up about it, and it was like these people, you know, their their planet was destroyed and apparently you know i i feel like i'm getting the download too because i feel like i was there um that the planet was destroyed in this kind of war that was going on on the planet or maybe Mm. like another planet was kind of at war with maldek and the planet was exploded kind of by like maybe not necessarily a nuclear weapon but some sort of weapon like that and it was just you know just exploded itself and there was a big uh you know it doesn't exist anymore and right asteroid belt now and they were saying that so many people from that planet either have memories of that or um like or reincarnate in this lifetime because of you know like the cold war and all that kind of stuff happening that's Mm -hmm. these patterns that are you know coming up and i thought that was so interesting and it also said like the people from Maldek are very masculine energy. They're mm. very like Saturnian. There seems to be like like kind of a lizard tie-in. I'm not like 100% sure okay. about that, but there seems to be like dragons were on the planet or some sort of like lizard was kind of cohabitating the planet. And I'm like super cold like all the time. And yeah, I've always loved like lizards. And so I'm like, oh my God, like I was absolutely on this planet, 100%. (laughs) Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I try not to like, I'm so interested in all of the different planets and what the people are like, but I try not to, even about like the different like gods and goddesses, I haven't researched much or learned much because I like to just like go into meditation, see what comes. And I've connected in a way that way where it's like, okay, I'm gonna like be open to information about myself or my past or whatever and then look it up and it's way more fun that way yeah oh it was so so crazy I was like I can't believe I got this name and I got this vision of like it was funny because I wear a lot of red and in the vision it was like this place that looked like it didn't have any windows and it was all red and usually Mm. that's how I see the underworld like where Hades lives Mm. I see you know big rooms of red and um, when I take people to meditation to the underworld, I always have the same image. And so 
it was funny because originally out in the meditation, I was like, okay, we're just in the underworld again. But then there was something mm-hmm. so different about it. And I got the name of the planet and I was like, whoa, this is super fascinating. And apparently like, it's, you know, this is just like random internet information, but apparently it said like yeah. 70% of earth people are originally like from Maldic. It's like a pretty pretty big like starseed population apparently because when the planet exploded um all the kind of souls like came here and i like that tie-in almost with hades because i always wonder like okay how does all this tie in together and i'm like it makes Mm. sense for me to kind of like have come from another planet and then have then have gone to the underworld or gone to like Hades's realm mm. to where I could meet him to where I could be like, wow, this is like a very similar environment, a very similar place. And so it makes sense to yeah. me that there is that tie in of like the underworld feeling a lot like the planet and vice versa. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you, cool. you were able to recall the name of a planet you'd never heard of and ghosts are just hitting on you. <laughs> How, when you say you live next to a cemetery, how close are we talking? Um, there's like a fairly large um, like swamp and kind of backyard area. Um, it's, I guess it's not like a huge swamp, but like a swampy kind of area like next to a pond. And then the cemetery is like across the water. So I would say like, I can see the gravestones like kind of like I can look out the window and see some of the graves. Mm-hmm. So from your, from like your bedroom yeah, window. So fairly close. That's there's so on brand for you. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. You even came back. You came back in a life where you live facing facing Hades uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> the dead people. <laughs> I didn't want. To, I didn't know how to say it. Wow. Do you ever wander through there? Yeah, I I go for walks every single day in the cemetery, and I would love like if I was incarnated as like a strong man, I would a hundred percent be like a um, like a landscaper like at a graveyard. Like I would want to dig the graves. I would want to be involved. I just <laughs> have such like a calling to that industry, and yeah, yeah and eventually I do want to um, like be in. I'm not in a coven or anything, and I want to be in like a magical tradition, um, so I can mm. learn funerary traditions and rites and kind of actually pr- mm. perform like pagan funeral rites as like an ordained wow. kind of pagan high priestess. Um, and so that's definitely something I am working towards. I call myself the high priestess of Hades because I've gotten this download from him, like that no human coven, no like, you know, human clergy can tell me like how to like, can, can ordain me to work with him necessarily. And there's really like no coven mm. that specifically works with Hades. And so he gave me the call about a year ago. Like, I want you to, to do rights for me. I want you to hold groups, um, that for, for devotees of me, I want you to, um, mm-hmm. be my high priestess. And then, you know, in order to do funeral rites that are like legal in America, you know, you have to be like or- right. ordained, like a clergy person. And so, um, I'm pretty sure at least, um, I think there are like death doulas as well that can do that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's definitely what I'm working towards in the next five years, I hope to, and hopefully in five years, be doing that kind of work. So when you were little, were you interested in death? Like, were you asking about, I know you said like you saw the corpse bride and you were like, oh my God, like you like you kind of like felt at home. Yeah. <laughs> so were you like a spooky kid that was like always asking your parents about like death and stuff? I, I just have this image of you. 
yeah <laughs> being like obsessed with this I think I feel kid. like I was a spooky kid I for <laughs> sure I was always like in a book or like in a video game I was always mm. very like in another world when I was the kid and I loved mm. yeah I loved Halloween um oh man yeah I, I definitely was spooky and yeah I've always had like I always wanted to to work in some sort of psychopomp industry psychopomp is like you know, helping souls in and out of the underworld or the afterlife. Mm. And so for a while I worked as a birth doula actually, and I didn't like love it. Um, but I was like, maybe I should just be a midwife. Like maybe I should just go all in. And Mm. I eventually was like, no, no, no. Like you're not supposed to be on the birth side of things. You're supposed to be on like the, the death side of things. But that was a lot scarier to me at the time. Mm -hmm. This was like in my early twenties. And I was like, I don't know, like I, I can do birth because like, I, you know, like I identify as like feminine and you know, she, her, and I'm like, I feel like that's more like my lane. Like, I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. always felt like the death industry was like, at least in Massachusetts, you have to be like the son of like a third generational, like mortician in order to be qualified. Mm. It's like, so it is very patriarchal industry. Yeah. So yeah, it, it always kind of, uh, I've always been wanting to work in the death industry, but in my own way. And so I'm kind of carving out my own, um, my own job in it. And it's funny because I have a Scorpio midheaven, which like the midheaven in, in the chart is your career marker. Um, and I, that's what mm-hmm. I do when I look at people's fate and their fated career in my earthwork sessions. I always look to mm-hmm. the midheaven to kind of tell the story of that. And mine's in Scorpio and it's like, literally perfect for me because it's working in death and also being a professional Mm. like tarot reader and occultist and it just has the whole tie-in so I want a reading with you and I want to do your tarot mythology course I know I (laughs) want to know my money Angelica my midheaven and let's look at my car I feel the same way okay are we at an out we'll wrap up soon but I have a final question maybe you have more questions I just have so many questions I know you're amazing (laughs) so you mentioned a a death doula and it's something I've heard of before and I know you're kind of carving your own space out of that but like what is a what does a death doula do and like what 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 is it that you want to do that is kind of like that or like might be a little different yeah and so basically doula like the the root of the word doula is a greek word and it actually means Mm -hmm. like servant and in ancient greece they would call like the servants i suppose or like the servant class doulas and so it's Mm -hmm. an interesting term because we we hear it being used in in birth like as a birth doula and as a death doula so it literally means like servant of whatever the industry is so when you're a birth doula you're helping women um give birth and it's a very like metaphysical job in the sense that i'm not doing anything medical i'm just helping the woman or the person that's that's giving birth breathe through the experience and make sure it's a mm-hmm. very like as much as possible a very uplifting experience for her that's mm-hmm. kind of the role we there's a lot of comfort measures happening there it's also very hands-on physical super difficult like you know you're you're literally there while the person's giving birth for hours and mm-hmm you're just giving all your energy to them. And then on the other end, the birth, the death doula, or sometimes it's called Thana doula because Thantanos is the God of death. So the Thana doulas okay. are the, the servants of death. They're there to help someone that is dying. So we see it used a lot in hospice and in, um, you know, the hospital kind of chaplains will have volunteers or have death doulas come in to help people that maybe don't have their family with them while they're passing on okay. or, or you know, just kind of, sometimes I also talk to the families afterwards and, and help with like grief counseling and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is more, 
like they're not necessarily therapists. Um, it is much more mm-hmm. like a clergy role. So it's more metaphysical okay. understanding of death and, and what's going on there. Um, so. Okay. I just think it's a beautiful thing to be to be able to talk about dying and death in the underworld in, in general, to do it the way that you do it, to make it something empowering, to make it something intriguing, something almost even a little like sexy. Yeah, there's something kind of <laughs> sexy about the way you do it. And we're all going to go at some point and you know, n- nobody knows for sure exactly what happens, but it's 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 the only thing we can get Hello Boo. Oh, Boo's trying to play with your hand movements. <laughs> it's the only thing we can guarantee in our lives, you know, is that yeah, at some we're all point, born and we all die. We're going to go. And so I just think the world definitely like it's a very beautiful thing that you are doing what you're doing and that even if maybe other people or your own doubts ever came up and were like this isn't an ordinary path like you were like no 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 like this is some some bigger work and some important work and some bigger magic so i'm just so i'm so happy we know you and we got to share you with everybody today (laughs) thank you so much i really appreciate you saying that for a long time i was very confused about what my career is going to be and I think it's because I have mm-hmm. kind of a strange career calling and, and just in general yes. a strange calling and that's why I was always like on the edge of it like maybe I should you know I'll do I'll be a doula and I'll be um I'll you know do competitive boxing and I'll just do all these kind of strange <laughs> like things that are on the fringes of what what most people do as a career and you know still to, to this day I'm a tarot reader which is pretty on the fringes of what people do yes um, and that's just yeah that's where I'm comfortable and that's where I love I am comfortable with change and transformation and I think I'm yeah I think I'm perfect for the death industry <laughs> you are you just you're you're just fabulous you. and I think everyone should oh yeah where can everybody find you and follow you and stay yeah, up to date? give us a quick rundown of like how to work with you mm-hmm. um your Instagram your website all of that because I'm sure all of our listeners are as eager as us to work with you after mm-hmm. this for sure <laughs> yeah so you can find me on Instagram at Angelica S. Krashy. Um, and my website is riverstickswitch.com and it's like river sticks from the underworld. So it's S T Y X riverstickswitch.com. Um, and yeah, I'm doing my Greek mythology through tarot program. It's called Asphodel Tarot Academy. Um, and that, you know, I'll have the links to that on my website as well as on my Instagram. You can, you can check more about it. And then I have, um, my earthwork sessions where we, look over your fate and your fated career, both in the birth chart and through tarot and kind of interpret what what your soul desires and what um, you're destined to do in this lifetime, what Hades is kind of wanting you to accomplish. So when you come to the underworld, you're you're happy and you, everything's good. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a really popular way to work with me. And then I have a couple other readings and sessions as well. And I'm bringing back House of Hades Society, which is my ritual group, for Hades and group coaching container um, in October. So that is coming back for everyone that wants to connect deeper with Hades. Wow, so exciting. And we'll link everything in the show notes. So whether you're on YouTube or listening on a podcast, just go and we'll have all of Angelica's links there. And yeah, any any last... uh... I just... I just think what you're doing is profound. And I think that... (laughs) I think that you're always, no matter what you do and how it 
moves because I do think it's going to keep evolving in different ways. You'll you'll always stay really true to yourself in this 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 really true part of you. Um, well, you have Hades there to tell you, yeah. no, no, this is how you live your best yeah. life. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Of course. Thank you. And thank you for that prophecy. That's beautiful. That's, that is my <laughs> prophecy for you. I, yeah. It just feels very, it feels a bit a very beautiful, beautiful journey you're on. So you should see how Boo is lying right now, by the way. It's like her She's like eyes this. are closed, but she is She's like clawed it. She's like, I'm relaxed, <laughs> but I'm holding on. <laughs> so funny. She's got to hold her horses because this interview was so fun. Um, All right. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see everyone next week. All right. Bye. Bye.